Hey, thanks for tuning in to uh, the Hopecast, our uh, weekly sermon podcast of Hope Church RC. This is Pastor Steve. Thanks for uh, tuning in. This week we're looking at Acts chapter 1. Jesus uh, ascends back into heaven, but not after uh, reminding the disciples of his promise of sending the Holy Spirit. And we talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit, what it does just at a real high level, and uh, how we can and should depend on the Holy Spirit to help us uh, do the things God's calling us to do. So, hope you enjoy. Hope it's a blessing to you. Thanks. We'll be in the book of Acts today. So, last week we finished up pretty much the the Gospel of Luke. We'd been in that a while, and we were looking at um, Easter, right? Jesus rose from the grave, and we talked about how that changes everything. Right? That brings us new life and a new relationship with our Creator because of what Christ has done. We can have forgiveness of sins and, and an eternal life that doesn't just start when we die, but it starts in the here and now. We can live in joy and peace and seek the betterment of all those around us right? and have the power to do that. Well, today we're going to look at kind of the next steps. What happened next? Right? How did we get to here, to this little gymnasium and this elementary school and not just us, but all the, of the churches around the world that are meeting together uh, this morning or, you know, some may meet on different times. Some have to meet in secret because they're not really supposed to be meeting in countries that are against Christianity. How did we get here? Well, this is the, the first step, right? Um, Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit to us. They promised it to the disciples We'll talk a little bit today about what that means, what it meant for them, what it means for us even today. But before we get into that, anybody remember the show, The Wonder Years? You remember that? So it came on in like the late 80s, early 90s. Cameron and Sarah, y'all just going to have to look it up on YouTube. Sorry. Uh, okay, all right. But, huh, is it, well, it's back on. They did like a remake of it, right? But the original one, though, right? Fred Savage as Kevin, Kevin Arnold narrating about a teenage boy growing up in the late 60s, right, in the 70s. And I remember watching it as a kid, and and I know I didn't really understand a lot of the references and stuff because I didn't know the history like I do now. Um, But the main thing I remember is the opening song. Anybody remember that song? Nobody remembers it? Oh, okay. Well, you about get a taste then. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? No, no, come back. Don't, don't walk out. It was, sorry. But the song was, with a little help from my friends, then this specific version was by Joe Cocker, which was a cover of the original song by, anybody remember? With a little help from my friends. I get by with a little help from my friends. This, you, you probably never heard of them. It's this little band from Liverpool, England. Um, it's four guys, had these weird haircuts. No, the other guys, <laughs> the Beatles, right? Um, and now I know as an adult, right, with a little help from my friends, getting by with a little help from my friends, is not just talking about my friends help me out during hard times. I mean, they do, but the way that the Beatles were talking about their friends helping them out, not necessarily church-friendly, right? They were helping them out with uh, some chemical compounds and substances, right? I mean, it is a Beatles song, after all. They sang, they sang about 
Yellow Submarines, Marmalade Rivers, Marshmallow Skies, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, all that, all that weird stuff that they probably thought was real while they were tripping on whatever they were tripping on, right? So I'm not shocked at all that it's about that sort of stuff. But what caught me as a kid, and, and what I'm trying to hold on to as the wholesome part of it, is the idea of needing someone to help, help us make it through, right? To help us make it through hard times. It's a universal human experience, right? We start from a kid, right? Babies, the most vulnerable of all, need help to just survive, right? They cannot gather their own food. They can't gather their own water. They can't clothe themselves. Uh, even if they had the food, they couldn't feed themselves, right? So we have to do every single little thing for them as they grow, right? And as they become toddlers, even though they think they know it all, they realize over time and we have to help them to do things so that they don't get harmed or harm themselves. If you ever come through and you, you know, your toddler is holding a knife, for some reason they've got a hold of it and they think they're going to like cut an apple or something like that. That's a very scary thing, okay? Um, we all need help from the moment that we're born. And even when we reach a point where we can take care of ourselves. We can gather our own food. We can hold down a job. We can, um, you know, buy a house or rent a house or whatever. We can, we can survive. We still need one another, right? Um, my, I know for like, for instance, as an adult, not only have my parents, you know, they raised me from when I was a baby, but even as an adult, and especially now that we have children, my parents have been a huge help for me like massively huge, like I could not do it without them. Um, and even not just my parents, but uh, Mary's parents who live beside of us have, have helped us out tremendously, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never raised children before, right? <laughs> and every year is a new experience. Every little thing is a new experience. We have two 10-year-olds. In the next few years, we're going to have several new experiences. And it's just pray for us. Just continually pray for us. But uh, my parents still help our family meet appointments, right? We go, they take to the doctor. They pick our children up from school. They keep us, they keep them, they keep us, they keep them occasionally uh, and let us actually eat a meal where we can talk to one another, Mary and I, right? And I know my mom listens to our podcast each week, and I know that she'll hear this, so thanks, Mom. I really appreciate all that you and Dad do for us. Can you keep the kids next Saturday? As a dad, I know the feeling of being needed by someone else. Uh, I need my kids to go and get things for me all the time when it's in another room or on the ground and I don't want to pick it up, right? <laughs> uh, last Sunday, we hid, we hid Easter eggs and the kids went out and hunted for them. After a few rounds of my dad and I hiding the eggs, which was fun, you know, the kids decided they wanted to hide the eggs for us, and that was cool. Um, and it was one of the easiest egg hunts ever. I literally just walked around and waited for them to take me to the hiding spot. Because I would just walk outside, and they would just, like, go straight there. And, and they would try not to give it away, but they'd just be standing around, like, looking at the ground, looking at me, looking at the ground, looking at me, looking at the ground, looking at me. And I'd be like, is there an egg right there? And like, yeah. I said, will you get it for me? And they'd just, like, get it for me, right? <laughs> it was great. Uh, they were so excited. Uh, but anyways, all of us experience this um, need of assistance from other people. Right, whether it is for survival or whether it is just for um, a betterment of life, 
right? We all need companionship, right? We all need community. There was a, uh, an example that I read about one time where uh, someone had decided to pull away from a community, a family type of thing, and they were saying, well, I don't need them, right? I can do everything by myself. And someone came to their home. They had a fireplace, and, uh, you know, there, were, there was a fire going. And they didn't say anything about their need for community. But the person just went up to the fireplace, took a coal that was glowing red, you know, with the tongs or whatever, and just pulled it away and set it on the hearth. And after a few minutes, it was no longer red. It was black because it did not have the warmth of its community. And that was all that was needed, right? We need one another. You've needed help at various points in your life in big and small ways. None of us ever make it alone. Now, many strong people can do a lot on their own. They can endure heavy burdens, right? And um, lots of people hold on to things internally and are dealing with things, and you never know it. There are lots of very strong people there, and you may be one, but, but nobody ever gets to, ever can really, really live without help for someone. We were created to be in community with one another. We all need help, especially when it comes to being a Christian and to following the commands and the ways of God. So today in Acts chapter 1, we're going to talk about Jesus' promise that the Father will send us a comforter because Jesus ascended, right? Jesus went back to heaven after his resurrection and it was probably um, on the disciples' mind that, oh, all this has happened and now you're just going to, to leave us, right? Some of them, and we can kind of see it betrayed in their words to Christ after his resurrection, they were still kind of waiting for Jesus to become the political um, power that they thought he was going to be he resurrected and one of them said are you now going to bring in the kingdom of god is this what you were waiting on before you overthrow the roman government and and, and take away their powers and they still didn't quite get it so they were going jesus was going to ascend back to the father and rightfully so they were probably a little nervous what are we going to do now well thankfully god already thought about that nothing ever surprises him And he promises not to leave us alone. All right, so let's look in Acts chapter 1. We're going to read through the first 11 verses and then go through them uh, a little bit at a time, a little section. So Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Father, thank you so much for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Help us to really grasp how um, what it means for us and how we can uh, use the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives today as we look through this passage. All these things ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a little breakdown, right? Acts is like Luke volume 2, okay? Uh, and I heard a little thing recently that um, Acts really is a continuation of Luke, but they had to make a break somewhere because Luke took up so much, right? Literally, this would be like the second scroll, if you will, of Luke's, of, of Luke, because scrolls only, you only had like somewhere around 35 feet of paper that you could write on, and Luke filled all that up, and he had to start another one, right? So Acts is kind of like Luke chapter 2, or volume 2. Um, it begins with a summary of volume 1, and he's writing it to this guy named Theophilus. We don't really know a whole lot about Theophilus, uh, just he was someone that he was writing to, all right? So he begins with a summary. Jesus began to teach and do things until he was taken up, until he was ascended back to God. He suffered, he presented himself alive, speaking and teaching about the kingdom of God. So when he says suffered, he's talking about crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, right? The whole, he, he sums up kind of the whole gospel. And then he says he appeared to many, showing that he was alive. But it wasn't always, um, it wasn't always easy for them to believe that Christ was alive. For instance, the disciple Thomas, which we often call, I think kind of maybe a little unfairly, doubting Thomas, right? The disciples came back and they said, hey, Jesus is alive. And he was like, nope, I'm not going to believe it. You know, I just want some proof. Right? I think Thomas was just a, uh, just a pragmatist, right? He was just practical. He said, look, I'm not going to believe it until I can see his hands, until I can see his side, the things that I saw that happened to him. I want to see that it's the same guy. I want to believe it's not a hoax so that I know for sure, right? Um, and so he did, right? Jesus appeared to him, uh, and he, and Jesus even said, touch my hands, touch my side, right? It's me. I'm really alive. He appeared to the disciples at one point after his death, and they had been fishing all night, and he said, hey, cast out one more time. And they're like, okay, sure, whatever. And he said, put on the, put on the other side. And they'd been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. And they miraculously caught so much that their nets were breaking and they had to get help from other people. So Jesus was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And this kingdom is not an earthly kingdom like we think of. Not the kingdom of uh, England, the kingdom of Malaysia, whatever country that has a, a ruler or a system of government. This is not Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom supersedes all of that, right? It is an upside-down kingdom because the things that we think, the things that we've become accustomed to, to 
rise in greatness. Christ said, those are the things that make you the least in my kingdom, right? Taking advantage of others. Professing like your own fame, right? Trying to raise your own status. That makes you least in Christ's kingdom. Christ says that the greatest is the servant of all. The greatest puts others' needs ahead of themselves. The greatest considers others. The greatest tries to share their platform and raise others up, right? His kingdom is totally upside down. He said some very radical things like love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? It's so easy because we look out for number one. It's so easy to try to say, well, I'm going to do what I want to, and I don't care if it messes with my neighbor or not. I'm going to rake my leaves over on their side of the yard. And those are like tiny things. Anybody ever had that happen to them? I've, I've had that happen to me. It's not a big deal. That's right. That's right. I'm blo- <laughs> somebody, somebody blew their leaves on top of your truck? That's funny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We do things like that. And it's little things sometimes, but it's, it's annoying, right? Jesus says... Don't do that sort of stuff, right? Love your neighbors. If you don't want your leaves, if you don't want their leaves in your in your yard, don't put your leaves in their yard. Right? And he said things like forgive your enemies. When your neighbor puts their puts their leaves in your yard, in your yard, forgive them. Right? And that's hard to do. And he said, pray for those people who persecute you and do all kinds of evil things and harmful things to you. Even the people that are hurting you, forgive them. Seek their betterment. Put their needs above your own. And that is so hard to do. His kingdom is not about material gain or about political power. It's always been about showing the love of God to others, whether they deserve it or not. The truth is, none of us deserve it. Whether they're acting right or not, you do the right thing. Always. The only person you can control is yourself. You do the right thing. Right? Jesus gave the disciples instructions. He said, wait here. He also gave them some other instructions we talk about a lot in the church in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples, right? Go, because of all the things that I've done, go, therefore, and make disciples. A disciple is just someone, is just a student, right? Our children are our disciples in many ways. Right? If you are a teacher, your students are your disciples in many ways. Right? We're trying to teach them how to do things and the right ways to do things. Jesus said to us, to the disciples, and also by extension to us, go and tell other people what I've told you. Go and help them to see the kingdom of God, how it is an upside-down thing, how it is all about serving others and about putting others ahead of yourselves. Go and tell other people this. Right? We want to spread this word. And he says, teach them to obey all the things I've commanded you. And that continues down through the centuries, through the years, and to us today, to go out and to make disciples of all nations, Christ says. Christ is about making every ethnos, every ethnicity part of his kingdom. Right, And we have to be careful how we think about this. Okay, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with uh, N.T. Wright um, and another gentleman on, I can't remember his name, um, but he said it's so easy when we look at passages like this as white people to think, oh, we want to go out and now all nations can be like us, 
We want to remove the colorblind. We want to be colorblind about it and say, oh, well, now all nations can be like us. No, no, no. All nations are to be how God made them. They are disciples of Christ. It's so easy and tempting to make things like this about raising others up to our status now. And we may not like put it exactly in those terms, but the way that we kind of go about it kind of shows some of that, right? When you have well-meaning white Christians going to other nations and showing them how to do church and trying to give them systems of how to do church that is totally tone-deaf to what their community is like, that's that sort of thing. We're going to tell you heathens how to be like us. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Rather, if we want to do something like that, we go and we tell people about Christ of other ethnicities, and we help them to figure out how to minister to the people that they are in their community. And then we step back, and we say, go, and you do the same thing, right? Um, He told them things like in Luke, to go around and to forgive others after he appeared. He said, whatever you have forgiven on earth will be forgiven in heaven, and whatever you don't forgive will be not forgiven. And John, he told them that he was sending them. He says, the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And of course, by extension, us. And Jesus again and again is showing his kingdom is not about being selfishly squirreled away and held on to. Right? We're not to keep it in a, in a little... We, we, talk, we sing songs like, hide it under a bush, oh no, I'm going to let it shine. Right? We're not supposed to hide it. We're not supposed to keep it squirreled away and, like it's our precious. Right? Christ's kingdom is a kingdom of open hands. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is loved. Everyone is free to receive his grace. However, unfortunately, it's so easy because we are humans to close in our circles, right? We get a group together, and it's suddenly us four and no more. Whether we intend it to be that way or not, it becomes that way. We've made our churches exclusive just by the way that they are, just by the way that they operate, Of course, we will say everyone is welcome, but when others who are not quite like us show up, they get the feeling that they're not welcome, right? And I've been part of that. I I have to believe that I have. I don't think it's intentional. Nobody starts out to say, I'm going to build a church, and when we get so big, we're not going to want anybody else to come in, but we're going to let them come in, but we're going to make sure that they feel unwelcome in like the weird, subtle ways that we do. Nobody ever does that, but it does happen, right? I don't think anybody's intentional about that. We have to be intentional about avoiding it. And so the, the default human reaction is to cling tightly to those people that you know and to be suspicious of those people outside of your circle. It's not the way it's supposed to be in Christ's kingdom. We're supposed to be welcoming to those outside, welcoming to the refugee. Yes, careful not to be taken advantage of because there are people who want to do that. But being generous, meeting people with open arms, After all, we can't claim that anything we have is truly our own inside the church or inside of our own lives. God has given us everything, right? Even if we work and we buy things and we pay our bills and pay our taxes or whatever, God's given us the breath to do that, right? It's only through his strength that we can have anything. So Jesus instructs them. He gives them a mission and a task. Make disciples, love others. And I think those are two big things that come down to us today that Christ is calling us to do today in our own lives. Make disciples. Teach them about Jesus. Don't teach them about how good you're doing because they're going to fail. Don't put yourself up on a pedestal. Point to Christ. Don't look at me. Man, I'm I'm messed up. 
Look to Jesus. He's the perfect one, right? And in verse 4, he tells them to wait. It says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Right? He says, wait for the Father's promise. And this is not something that is new. Jesus had been speaking about this in Luke chapter 24, John chapter 14, Matthew chapter 3, even all the way back in the Old Testament in Joel chapter 2 verse 28. He says, after this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. God promised to send his Holy Spirit himself, right? A part of him to live in direct relationship with believers. God literally within us, helping us, guiding us, comforting us, and convicting us. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comforts and guides. And part of that is showing us where we go wrong. John 16, 8 says that when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. He helps us to see the wrong that we've done, whether we realize it or not, because there are some things that we do wrong that we know. Here's the thing that I want, a piece of candy or whatever it might be. It doesn't belong to me. I don't want to pay for it. I'm just going to, going to take it, right? Of course we know that's wrong. That's stealing. Sometimes, though, there are things that we do that we don't realize that that was wrong until maybe a day or two, a week or two, years later, right? Anybody ever had that happen to them? You realize, I was rude to that person. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was. And we have to go back and apologize, right? Um, and when that happens, the Holy Spirit's always loving and caring it's never you did wrong you need to go back and fix it right now or it's never like it's like hey do you remember i don't know if you understood at the time but i was wrong you hurt that person you need to go go ask for forgiveness right he's always gently guiding us into the right paths the holy spirit is here to give us the ability to love our neighbors as ourselves. Christ said that was the second greatest commandment. And he said it's like the first, to love God with everything you have. The way that we show that we love God is by loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we can't do that alone. The Holy Spirit empowers us, empowers believers to do the right thing gives us the ability to endure hardships, to help us praise God with lips that often utter curses. The Holy Spirit prays with us. He prays for us, often for things that we may not even know that we need. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, Paul says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So Paul's saying that God prays for us by his Holy Spirit 
because the Spirit knows what we need even when we don't. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Just like we talked about last week, Christ interceding for us. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be witnesses to the whole world, every nation, tribe, and tongue. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came to the original disciples, there were Jews and God-fearing Gentiles from all over the Middle East and Eurasia were in Jerusalem for Shavuot, or the feast of the first wheat harvest for the summer grains. The Bible says that many people heard the message of the gospel in their own language. The Holy Spirit became a real-world, real-time Google Translate, but in a much better way because you didn't speak into it and then show the phone to the person that was trying to listen to, right? The disciples were speaking in multiple languages at the same time because the Holy Spirit gave them the power to do that, to do what is necessary so that the gospel may be heard. And some people may want to use this power for tricks or for personal gain, for popularity or for money. And I don't believe that God never performs miracles today, but I don't believe they're up to us to manifest. We can't just go swinging our jacket around, slaying people in the Spirit. I just don't think that's the way it works. We can't just expelliarmus like Harry Potter and make the Holy Spirit work. It's not like that, okay? But we can and we should rely on the Holy Spirit every day when we hear that still, small voice telling us not to say what we're thinking. I know. This would be a really good comeback to what they just said. But that's hurtful. You shouldn't. Or to not do what we're thinking about doing. We should listen to them. We should listen to the Holy Spirit. Because He cares for us. He loves us. He knows that those things are bad for us. And He's guiding us, leading us in our relationship with Him. And so it's on us as well as the apostles to be witnesses of this upside-down kingdom that has come. And it's up to us to tell everyone the good news, to make disciples of all these nations. But how? How do we do this? How do we make disciples of all nations? How do we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? How? It's an impossible task. Well, speaking is an obvious one. It's kind of what I do, right? Not, not quite a real formal pastor or preacher. But even in a more informal way, you can speak about the kingdom in your everyday life just by being kind, being compassionate, empathizing with other people. I've seen a, a quote going around on social media for a while now. It's basically, we have no idea what other people are going through. So be kind always. Right? Always be kind. We can have empathy for those who are struggling. We can show the love of God to others with a text or a phone call. I can tell you I've been in seasons before, periods of, of my life where it feels like people have, some people, not all, but some people that you thought cared about you never reach out to you. That's hard very hard and so we can we can't necessarily do much about that but we can reach out when we think of others with a text with a phone call and i know gen z love you bless your hearts some of y'all don't like to talk on the phone you like to text i get it i like to talk it's just me i'm i'm that that's the the gen x side of me right pick up phone let's 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 talk but you know 
It's okay. I can thankfully talk to my phone, and it will translate what I'm saying. And it's 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 kind of in between. Okay, um, the text will read back to me. It's almost <laughs> almost, but then I have to wait like two hours for them to to reply. Sometimes, anyways, it's okay. I'm just saying, never feel bad about calling me. All right, you can always call me. All right, and I might call you. And if you're not in the mood for a phone call, just shoot me a text. I'll understand. But anyways, we can show God's love through offering to pray for others by taking a meal to a new mom or watching the baby so that she can do luxurious things like take a shower or not be touched for an hour, take a nap. We can feed a family who's lost a loved one. And I think we've all done lots of these things before, but this is about showing the love of God. Those are tangible ways that we show his love when we think of others' needs and we make efforts to meet them. And then verse 9, after Jesus had said all these things, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. So Jesus said all these things that he had said, like, wait on the Holy Spirit. And he had already told them, baptize people in all nations, make disciples. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Kind of like ripples in a pond, right? We influence those people around us, our families, our coworkers. And then we may influence people that are in, a, in the next kind of circle, right? The people that we see often, right? Church, mem- church family, church members. The guy at the convenience store that we frequent who's always there, right? The, the guy that always works that. Or, you know, we go to such and such restaurant and we see the same waitress often, right? We can be influences on those people. And then to the ends of the earth, right? It's, it's infinite. We can have influence. And so the disciples stood there with their jaws dro- drooping because what would you look like if you saw someone literally levitate in front of your eyes, like up to heaven and disappear behind a cloud. And like he always does, God reminds us, reminds them of his promise. Angel said, why are you looking around? What you just saw happen will happen in reverse. Christ will come again. And in his kingdom will be uh, initiated, inaugurated, or finalized, rather, on this earth. Right? And so they're just, they're, mission then begins. All these things that Jesus had been preparing them for, this was the moment. This was the time the starting gun fired, and he said, go, do this. And it's continued on. If, you, if you've ever read any about church history, it's an amazing time where God was faithful, and he uh, persevered, helped others to persevere, even through times of extreme um, persecution. And it, comes, it continues on down to us today, and we have the amazing privilege to continue this tradition, to pass it on to our children. And so throughout the book of Acts, we see the disciples in action doing wonderful and miraculous things. They get in trouble with the local Jewish leaders who, who literally can't seem to do anything with them, right? They are like, you should not do that. But otherwise, they can't really do anything, right? They just don't have any power. It's kind of like Boss Hogg and Roscoe from the Dukes of Hazard. I just picture the Pharisee, you, 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 you disciples, stop speaking in the name of Jesus. 
And then the disciples jump the General Lee over the bridge, and Uncle Jesse comes in. Well, them, them good old boys. I'm sorry. No, I took that way too far. Um, but, but no matter what they do, they can't stop the disciples. And it kind of goes on like that today. Many times in Acts and through the letters of the New Testament, the disciples are imprisoned or threatened with bodily harm. But no matter what happens, they endure. God's word endures, and his people continues to endure because of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It happens all the way down to a little elementary school gym in Far City where a group of awesome people are trying to share God's love with one another, with our community, and we're worshiping together each week. And it's going to endure. It's going to keep enduring until Jesus comes again, and there is no more divide between now and eternity. And everything that we've talked about, everything we've dreamed about and imagined is real, and it's made real, and it's our current, it's our current reality. And you may be here today and realize you've been trying to rely on your own power to fight temptation, to do the right thing. Maybe you've been resisting the Holy Spirit's conviction of sin in your life. The Holy Spirit may be calling you to apologize or to forgive someone, and you really don't want to because it feels good to hold on to that grudge sometimes. You may be here and you haven't even received the Holy Spirit because you've never repented of your sins and you've never believed in Christ. You may not even know what that looks like. You might have some questions about it. No matter what your need is today, where you find yourself, God wants to help you overcome that. He wants to help you go deeper in relationship with Him or begin a relationship by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we all have times where we have this need for God to intervene, for God to do more, to show up in our lives in little and big ways. Whether it's for healing, whether it's help with an emergency, or guidance through everyday situations like when your children are misbehaving in church. You don't know anything about that, do you? No, you know, you don't have to hate. God has promised that those who believe would receive the Spirit that enabled them to carry out the tasks that He's given us. And we can rest in that promise and plug into it like a power source to help us do these hard things, to love, to forgive, to pray, to endure, and everything else that He asks us to do that seems impossible. So today Christ is calling us, and as Sarah comes and leads us in our invitational, um, whatever He's calling you to do, pray to Him. Ask Him for help to do it. He wants to do it. He wants to empower you to do it. There are times when he's going to ask you to do things that you cannot do, that are that do require more strength than you have. Some people may say that God will never ask you to do something that's out that's beyond your strength. That is absolutely false. He will often ask us to do things that we cannot do on our own because he wants to help us to do those things. And so today, whatever he's calling you to do, pray to him, ask him for strength, and I believe he's going to be faithful and just to do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everything you've done for the Holy Spirit. And I pray that uh, you just help us to rely on his guidance in our lives to help us to do these things that you've asked us to do, loving others, praying for others, making disciples, enduring, just holding on to our faith. Uh, help us to, to listen today and to, to seek to put uh, your words in action. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I uh, pray that that was a, a blessing for you and an encouragement. Uh, if we can ever be of an encouragement to you uh, through prayer or um, anything else, feel free to reach out to us, hopechurchrc at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at hopechurchrc, or you can visit our website, hopechurchrc.org. And uh, we'd love if you would consider sharing um, 
this our message if it's been an encouragement to you like we said uh share it with a friend share it out on facebook um you can find you can direct people to all the major podcast platforms spotify apple google and also here on anchor.fm slash hope cast rc again thanks for tuning in pray have a blessed week and uh god will richly bless you peace